0: Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and to get our faith is built up in the person and in the knowledge of Christ. Thank you this morning because we know exactly what you want us to hear. We hear, we obey, and we act on it. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Okay, so we started the discussion on following God's plan for your life. Now, I have taught many things I've taught many things, and um, I believe that this is one of the things that is very, very important for every believer to hear, to listen, and to know. Following God's plan for your life. Following God's plan for your life. We're able to establish that God does not just only have a purpose for you. But God has a specific plan on how to actualize that purpose. Now, we have been very big on the purpose of God for you. We've been very big on that. God's got a purpose for you. Follow your purpose. Follow your purpose. Follow your purpose. We've been very, very big on that. But we haven't been so big as by following God's plan in birthing that purpose. So what we find out is that a lot of people know the purpose of God for their life, but what happens, they go about just orchestrating plans for their life. In, 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 in line with the purpose of God for you, God also has what? A specific plan for your life. Can you say this morning, God has a specific plan for my life? Say it one more time. I didn't hear everyone. Say, God has a specific plan for my life. And it's very important you understand that. Not just understand it, but believe it. And actively start searching for it. Knowing fully well that you want to follow God's plan for your life. There is so much focus focus on purpose and not enough focus on plan. Purpose is the overall big picture for your life. Plans are the specific details to take you there. So, for instance, God wants me or God has called me to be a minister of the gospel. So, the next question is where can I just decide? I want to go to London, I want to go to UK, I want to go to Abokuta, I want to go to Akure, I want to go to Delta State. Can I just decide to just preach because it says go into all the world? No, absolutely no. We saw from the life of of Saul who became Paul that there was a specific plan. Now, it's important for us to understand that we are not creatures of, we're not just random creatures like God. Just say, well, I need 120 million people in Nigeria. Okay, you, just go there. No, there's a purpose and there's a plan. Behind every purpose is a plan. Now, let's go to a popular scripture. Put, Put Habakkuk. Up for me, Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1. There is a popular scripture we always use in Habakkuk, and what is it? Write the vision. Am I right? Are we in church this morning? Do I have to say, say amen all the time? <laughs> Praise the God. Okay, so let's go to Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1. Now, where we normally always build from is verse 2. But verse 1 is important. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart And watch to see what he will say to me. And what I will answer when I'm corrected. So, I'll stand on my watch. What's the watch? The watch was like, What you call a watchtower in those days. In Bible days. You know we didn't have surveillance cameras. There were no CCTV. There were no binoculars. So for you to spot the enemy. They built these large towers. Up, up, up. Because the higher you go the more you see. So they always had people there. Who were watching for the city gates. Who were watching for the city. If you watched um, films like Troy. um, And all of those Asian films. You would observe that. So that's the watch, that's the taller there that he's talking about. I'm in verse 1. Take it back. Thank you. And that's the watch there. When he says, I will stand my watch. So what happens, now, when he uses the word my watch, what happens is that, because one person couldn't just stay up there all day long, they had people who had different watches. Like, right? Like, okay, you're going to be on the tower from nine to two. You're going to be at the tower from three to whatever. So this is very important. Why I'm giving this analogy? Because the security and the safety of the whole nation depended on the man who was on the tower, right? So if the man on the tower was so tired and slept off, and the enemy were coming from afar and he didn't see, then the whole city is destroyed. So the people that are going to be on the tower are people who are going to be diligent you're not just going to be careless about it because the Torah position is not a position of carelessness and it's the same thing with your own life if you want to follow God's plan for your life you're not going to inquire of the lord carelessly because the whole safety the whole provision of the of the of the of the nation at that time dependent on the man who was on the tower now he says now let's go to verse 2 now So he says, I'm going to stand and I'll watch what he will say to me. Verse 2 now says, then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Now, you know, most times when we teach people about God setting and all of that, the first thing we're quick to say is, come on, hey, write the vision. Write the vision. You see, but in this point, you cannot write a vision of what the Lord has not said to you. It is not you deciding to write a vision. It is the Lord saying, the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. So your first responsibility in getting God's plan for your life is not to write. What's your first responsibility? To inquire of the Lord. So it's the Lord that starts telling you what to write about your life. Are you following what I'm saying? Hey, come on now, church. Are you following what I'm saying? You have to inquire of the Lord. Because there is a plan. There is a purpose. You have to inquire of the Lord. When you come into commitment with Christ, He guides your life. It's amazing how as believers, we just we can just decide, oh no, I want to do this. No, I want to do this. Oh no, I'm going there now. Oh no, I'm going there. And we just run our lives. And sometimes we wonder why life is not turning out the way we want. We've got to be at the center of the plan of God for our lives. And I said, oh son, and I'll repeat again, there's nothing like the permissive will of God, the whatever will of God. God has only one will. It's either his will or not. Romans chapter 12 talks about the good, acceptable and pleasing will of the Father. I was just describing the shades of God's will. The will of God is good, it's acceptable, it's pleasing. You know, some people say, well, you know, I'm just in the permissive will of God now. I know somehow I get into the perfect will of God. And you are bold to say that. You know, one of the things the grace of God has done for us in the New Testament is that God has has extended his forgiveness. You know, some of the things we do in these days and time, if we did them in the Old Testament, the whole church would be gone. Right? Like, you know, even the high priest, when he was going to offer the sacrifices, they had to tie a rope on his neck neck, because they were not sure he would return. So the high priest had bells. Maybe I'll show you the picture of the high priest. The high priest had bells in all of those dressings. And then he goes, he keeps working, he keeps working. So why they put the bells there was that if he's working, then they hear the bells jingling. You know, and then they know the man is still alive. God hasn't killed him. And if the guy misbehaves, <clears throat> you know, the guy is dead. You cannot now volunteer to say, ah, oh, the high priest is my father. Let me go and carry him. You will follow him too. So, they now put rope on his waist. And they use rope to drag him out. If your wife was unclean, you touched your wife, you became unclean. I mean, It's amazing. You know, people think that it was only 10 commandments God gave. No. It was only 10 commandments that were written on a tablet of stone. Technically, the Jews had about 656 commandments. And if you break one, you have broken all. That's why we have to be grateful for the cross. Most of us would not have made it. (laughs) Because immediately we got up, we would have started breaking the commandments. By the end of the day, you would have even broken the ones that were not written. God say you are overbroken. (laughs) But thank God for the mercy of God. But we don't take that mercy and become callous. That's the problem. We don't now live as if, Oh God is going to forgive me. God is going to forgive me. He will forgive you. But you are delaying the purposes of God. Do you know that your plans are connected to the purposes of God? If Joseph didn't live right... What did we say this morning? He says, you meant it for for evil, but God turned it around for good. How did God turn it around for good? Because he was following God's plan for his life. Imagine if I didn't answer the call to ministry. Well, someone else is going to do it. But do you really want God to use someone else to do what he has called you to do? Would you be happy about that? And I told you, on Sunday, please make sure you get the message on Sunday. The one thing that separated David from Saul was that Saul was so conscious of people and God rejected him. If Asama was crying over him and God says, don't cry over him again, I have found myself a king. And who did God use to replace Saul? A village boy in the bush taking care of ships. It's incredible sometimes if God needs to replace us, the people God will pick to do our job. We're not indispensable to the plans and purpose of God for our lives. But the truth of the matter is, we'd rather be in the will of God. <laughs> Funny story of Kenneth and Gloria Copeland. Um, at, at the age of 30, God spoke to Kenneth about starting the ministry and, and asked him to go to Robert University. They, they didn't have anything. They were broke. And so Kenneth told Gloria, Gloria Copeland, his wife, he says, if we go to the university as a freshman, 30 years, we'll be starving. And Gloria Copeland told her, told him, he says, we are already starving. So we rather just starve in the will of God than starve outside of the will of God. you understand that? If we go to school, because God wants us to go to school, what's going to happen? We will starve. But we know now that we're starving in the will of God. But me and God didn't allow him to starve. As he got into Oral Roberts University campus, beautiful, beautiful testimony of God's provision. Can a couple of flies? He, he flies. He's, he's, he's a certified pilot. And he, he gets there. And the Lord told him to go up. Now there's... If you... have never been to Oral Roberts University... But I understand how the place is. You know, it's got this high building... Where President Oral Roberts stays up in the office. So, Kenecoplan walks up... And meets the Secretary of Oral Roberts. And and as he was going... The Lord just told him to go up. And as he was climbing the stairs... God told him... "Say, just tell them you're a commercial pilot. And in case they need any pilot... You're available and you're a student... So, Kenneth Copeland gets into the office of the secretary and just says, um, you know, my name is Kenneth, I'm, I'm a fresh student, I'm a pilot, just in case the office, um, there's any vacancy, I'll need it. As he turns to, 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 to go back, he says, oral, now if you know, oral robot is big, huge, like very huge. It turns and it just comes face to face with oral robot, it's like you're facing the man you have ever seen on TV. Right? I mean, he was lost for words. And a robot says, hey, my name is Oral. I heard you say you're a commercial pilot. Say so, yes. Yeah. So, well, two weeks ago, um, I was praying. We needed to get a pilot. And the Lord says, we should not hire for that position because he's sending a student to come and be the pilot. And they hired him on the spot. So he was flying Ora Robot at the same time a student in Oru, And did they starve in the will of God? Absolutely no. God had a plan. God had a plan. Some of us feel that the comfort in our disobedience or the suffering in our disobedience will be eradicated. When we have dealt with it, then we can obey God. No. No. God is far better than your earthly father. In his plan is your preservation. Are you following what I'm saying? Alright. So, what about following God's plan for your life? So you have to stand. You have to inquire. Let's look at seven statements from the book of Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to just do... This is, this is a very simple message, right? It's very simple. It's the application that's difficult. So, my own path is very easy. To, to tell you to follow God's plan is the easiest plan is the easiest plan path, path of the plan. Your own path is what? To follow. That's where the work is. So, let's go to Proverbs chapter 3. We're just going to look at seven statements. I want you to write these seven statements down if you're writing Proverbs chapter 3. If you come to this church, you should be writing. I think you should. If I were you, I would write. Because I write. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) Alright. You know, come to church on a Sunday morning, say, okay, everybody, your Bible, your Bible, your pencil, check them. Make sure they are writing. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 7. Trust In the Lord with all thine heart. First statement. These are the seven ways to follow God's plan for your life. And they are self-explanatory. You will need a theologian to confuse you. Number one, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Listen to me. If you don't trust God, you will never trust His plan for your life. When I was growing up, I don't know why that happened, but when I was growing up, I don't know if you had that experience, in school, the way we're taught about the will of God, especially marriage, right? I don't know if you had that experience. We felt like, if we say yes to the will of God, you are going to marry somebody that when you wake up in the morning, you have to use mask to look at the person like. We just felt the will of God would be ugly, the will of God would be someone we don't want. We just had all of those fears. Because it was, we were taught that it was almost like the will of God would be contrary to anything you don't like. But you know what I found out? God, who created you, His will for your life will flow in line with the things He's deposited in your life. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, someone, uh, someone visited me the other day and was telling me, I mean, when I when I was traveling, you know, because I travel, so he, he was feeling sorry for me, like. Ah, pastor, you are trying, oh, God will strengthen you, the way you travel. I was feeling sorry for the person that was feeling sorry for me. I get excited when I travel. Is it tough? It is. But it's just exciting. The fact that I have to travel, I'm happy. Right? Why? Because part of my assignment is to travel. Right? And there are people who don't like to travel. The fact that you don't like to travel, God is not going to give you an assignment that demands that. Now sometimes God can give you an assignment that's not what you like But what I'm just trying to say is this Never be afraid of the will of God Alright Don't feel that if you accept the will of God Then God is going to say resign your job And go to Kalilu village And be my servant there No It is he who wills in us Both to will and to do of his good pleasure Whatever God is going to ask you to do He will already place the will in you Are you following what I'm saying? Come on, church. Are you following what I'm saying? Some of you that have children, you know your children who like to wash plates. You know the one who don't like to wash plates. You just know this child has this. And sometimes when you want to, when a visitor comes in and says, Oh, I want you to do this child to do this. He say, No, don't worry. Let this one do it. You already know that this one, his personality is suited for this. You have a child who, like me, doesn't pay so much attention to, to details. And then you now give him the house key. You understand? And then you have a child that if you give the house key You know that you have to beg them To open the door (laughs) I remember I, I went to If you have ever been to Gabe's house you know I went to Gabe's house one time Myself and Tunji And they had left an instruction that Tunji is coming They didn't mention my name And that's why you should not go where you have not been invited So I followed Tunji You know, I like to walk Visitation, so I went there this children open door for Tunji. And kept me out. His pastor. They say yes, but mommy said <laughs> I mean, but you have children like that that once they knock, the door is open. It is when they are inside, they will now say, Who are you looking for? You understand know what I'm saying? <laughs> the, the person inside the house, you know, say, Are you looking for my mother? And then they will now come to the room and call you that. And uh, do you know the person they say no? They just knocked. You know that you can't leave that child that you are travelling. You understand what I'm saying? Now, if you naturally know that about your children, how much more God? God's will is going to suit exactly the things he's put in your heart. So why are we saying all of this? Trust in the Lord. Just trust him. If the Lord says, don't move, don't move, trust him. If the Lord says, do this, do it, trust him. You can never follow God's plan for your life if you don't trust him with how many of your hearts? All thine heart. So you can't trust him spiritually and not trust him financially and not trust. Not, you can't trust the Lord to give you a good wife. And then you don't trust the Lord about the location of where you should stay. About the job you should pick. That's not with all your hearts. Am I right? That's not with all your heart. That's some of your heart. You know, it's like for some of us, God, I can trust you. God, this will just leave it for me. I read education. I understand how this works. Ah, I read finance. I'm a banker. (laughs) That's why I say that sometimes the people God uses to do incredible things are people who look like they don't know so much. And you know the reason why? They just trust. They just trust the Lord. Number one, we trust the Lord with all our hearts. Number two, what's the next line? Lean not on your own understanding. Just leave the scriptures. Lean not on your own understanding. What does it mean to lean? To rest. Don't put your confidence in your own understanding. You can't trust in the Lord and put your confidence in your own understanding. The both of them cannot work. When you trust in the Lord, you have to do what? Trust in Him completely. You don't lean on your understanding. You can't rest in it because you don't know so much. Do you know what's going to happen in the next 10 years? Do you know what's going to happen in the next 5 years? You don't know. You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. So, how do we follow God's plan for our life? We trust in the Lord with all our heart. We lean not in our own understanding. Number 3. Number 3. All you have to do is to underline the whole verse. Those are the 7 points. (laughs) Number 3. What does it say? In all your ways. That's verse 6. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. In how many of your ways? Now, can we see this connection here? G- give me verse 5 again, please. Can we see this connection here? You trust in the Lord with how many of your heart? All your heart. Verse 6. You In, in, in how many of your ways? All your ways. Not some of your ways. You acknowledge Him. You recognize Him. There's nothing like just praying about whatever you want to do. The, the easiest example I can give you here is Nehemiah. When the king asked him, what, what would you need to rebuild Jerusalem? What did Nehemiah do? If you're a Bible student, what did he do? The scripture says he made a quick prayer to God. You know how many of us here, they ask us, how, how much will you need to rebuild this? Yes, ah, I already have it. Two bags of cement, one pound, <laughs> three, three, two by four wood. And maybe you might take less that what the Lord wants to provide for you. He made a quick prayer to God. When he gives you assignments in the office, do you make a quick prayer to God or you just jump on it? Do you just say, Father, just help me with this assignment? Or you just say, Oh, this is what I studied in Harvard. This is my food. Until you now make mistakes. Just acknowledge him in all your ways. Following God's plan for your life, it's not a complex thing. It's just about acknowledging God. Say, Help me God. The next line. He shall direct your paths. This is where the problem is. For most of us. We have, we've leaned on him. We've acknowledged him. When he is now directing. You know directing your path means. That the power of control is in his hands. Right? Right? So if I'm going this way and someone is directing me, right? I can, in my mind, I might want to turn right, but if the, if the person directing me, say go left, what do I do? I go left. Am I, am I communicating? So direction, for him to direct your part, means that the power of control is in his hands. Are you following this now? Is it very easy? It's very easy. It's the application that's difficult. This is one of the easiest messages I've preached. I don't need to explain anything. Just to say he shall direct your path. You understand what he shall direct your path means? It means he will give you direction. Like when you go to a place. I, I know it's only in Lagos. You shouldn't take directions from people. Yeah, Lagos. You say I'm looking for this place. Ah, it's not far. It's, it's by that corner. And you are going to trek for three hours. But you know what some of us do, right? You just get a bike man. And ask the bike man to ride on, and you ride, be- uh, you drive behind. If the bike man is going, and you are leaning on your understanding, you know people who assume they know places are the people who get lost the most. After driving around for three hours, you ask why that this same building we have been seeing, we have seen it six times. <laughs> you know, personally, like for, for someone like me, I don't get roads like quickly. I, I have to spend a lot of time on the route, route To know it So when I get to some places I just ask for help immediately I don't assume Because you can just assume That ah it's close to this building And you discover that you are at the other end of town In life we cannot assume We have to lean on God We have to trust God to direct our paths. What's the next verse It says what? Be not wise in your own eyes. Do not be wise in your own eyes. You see, saints of God, I want to to plead with you this morning. This is a very simple message. Take this verse and go meditate on it. If you can do every single thing in this verse, I assure you, you will never miss out of God's will on your life. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Most people miss out of God's plan for their life because they are wise in their own eyes. Oh, I think if I go here, it will be better for me. I think if I do this, I think if... Don't don't think, just ask the Lord. Make God part of your plans. Allow Him to lead you. God has more in store for every one of us than we can ever imagine. Don't be wise in their own eyes. The world tends to give us wisdom. The world tends to give us wisdom. There's a lot of wisdom. Everybody's giving counsel. Everybody's giving counsel. Everybody's giving counsel. You know, sometimes I get amazed. You know, a lot of reasons can happen, but I'm just I'm, sometimes I get amazed when I see like you know, you hear that oh this bank has collapsed. Right? You just hear that maybe a bank has collapsed. Like I said, a lot of reasons might be responsible. But just wonder that. But everybody in that bank, that's what they studied now. Why is he collapsing? Or you hear a professor of economics that's in debt. But that's what you read. (laughs) Do you understand that? We cannot be wise in our own eyes. We have to trust on the Lord with all our hearts. The next one. Fear the Lord. That's honor Him. Give God reverence. Give God reverence. And the last one, depart from evil. You cannot be walking in evil and expect to follow God's plan for your life. God will not reveal His plan for you in sin. He might show you, this is what I want out of your life, but you can only walk in the specific plan of God for your life as you walk in righteousness. Cannot live the way you want and expect God to start directing your path. No, no. You can't eat your cake and have it. So we find seven things quickly. Number one, trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not on thy own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. If you follow these seven things, you would always find God's plan for your life. I want to give you two examples from scriptures and then we'll pray. Genesis chapter 12. No, first Samuel. Let's start with David and then we go to Abraham and Isaac. Um, First Samuel. Chapter 30. First Samuel chapter 30. I like this story. It's, it's always a beautiful story of God's direction. First Samuel chapter 30. You know, David had such a walk with God. This was when the troops were... Um, how do I put it now? Um, you know, their, their wives, everybody was stolen and all that and all that. And people were crying and crying and crying. You know. Verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, (laughs) because the soul of all the people were grieved. Every man for his son and his daughter. But David is training himself in the Lord his God. I find this story very interesting. You know, they went out for war. You know, of course, for all of them to go out for war means that they were, you know, they respect David like commander and all that and all that. And when he came back, ah, wives gone, daughters gone, everything gone. Boy, crying, 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 crying. You know, and David just overheard them and said, I think we should stone this man. Ah, David said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's why, you see, for, for, I'll, I'll say this for those who listen to our message across the world. For a minister of the gospel, this is one very interesting story. You would give your life for people, but loyalty is a very rare thing. So people who say, Ah, you are God's man for the hour, and the next five minutes, God forbid. Ah, I can't go to that church. And they've been in that church for six years. And that's what happens. Emotions of people are very fickle. You can support people all your life. And the one time you don't show support, in people's mind, it eradicates every good you have done. That's why when people praise you, just keep your attention on Jesus. When they insult you, keep your attention on Jesus. If your focus is on Christ you lead live a very steady life. Are you following what I'm saying? Alright. So, they came. Said, ah, let's. They said, I think we should stone him. <laughs> and David heard. Say the people spoke of stoning him. This was their commander. But David strengthened himself in the Lord is God. Then David said to Abiatar the priest, I email like his son, please bring the effort here to me. And Abiatar brought the effort to David. The effort was what he used in, in seeking the face of the Lord. So David inquired of the Lord, saying... Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? Now, let me ask you a question. What is the first natural response if you come to a place and discover that the place has been vandalized and you are a military man? What's the first response, everyone? To pursue, come on. Do we agree? That's the first that's the natural response. Should you be asking God, should I pursue? No, no, come on. Do you think it's a valid question to ask God? If your wife was nearby, you say if I slap you, do you, uh, pursue? Uh, you should pursue now. That's what everybody will do. But David inquired of the Lord. Now look at this next line. And I said, <laughs> And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went. He and 600 men who were with him. So imagine, David had 600 men already. But he did not say, May I pursue. He didn't do that. What was the first thing David did? He went to inquire of the Lord. That's where our mistake is. If you come to your house, they have vandalized everything. You have six hundred men. Ah, you will not. You forget to. It is as we are running to overtake. Say, God, follow us. Or we are going. We are going to overtake. God, are you coming? I mean, you just take off. A child of God who wants to follow God's plan for his life does not play with the prayer of inquiry. Even if it's a good thing, God, should I do this? No, God, I'm doing it to let your hand be upon me. No, no, he will direct your path. Look at what happened. And came to the brook, Bessel, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued him and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind. They were so weary that they could not cross the brook. Then they found an Egyptian in the field. And brought him to David. I can't remember. I can't forget the message my dad preached from this many years ago. Maybe like 10 years ago. Called the link man. And they gave him bread. And he ate. And they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs. And two of raisins. So when he had eaten. His strength came back to him. For he had eaten no bread. nor drunk water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him. To whom do you belong? And where are you from? And, and that's why I want to say this. Listen. Listen. Ah, oh, come on. Listen to this. Listen to this. In following God's plan for your life keep doing the right things along the path of life. Sometimes, the specific plans of God for your life are locked in those small moments. If you need to show up in church, show up in church. If you need to go to school, go to school. If you need to do something... I mean, David saw this guy in the heat of going to pursue... David could have just left this guy, right? But he saw this young man not eating. He said, let's feed him. And you know, I know some people there will be grumbling... Why will you feed a man when my wife is in, is in the hands of our enemy? Ah, this man. You like people too much. Just keep doing the right things. Keep doing the right things. But interestingly, and he said, I'm a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite, and my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of the southern area of the Sherites in the territory which belongs to Judah and the southern area of Caleb and Bon Ziggler. And David said to him, Can you take me down to his troops? So he said, Swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master. I'll take you down to Israel. And when they had brought him down, they were spread over the land, eating and drinking and all that and all that, and David attacked them. Okay. Now let's go to verse 22. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil except for every man and his um, what's that? Every man's wife and children, and they will depart, and they will go in peace. Now, what happened here was that they didn't want David; they didn't want David again to share the loot of what they got. That's the men. But then you find that a second instance that happened in the life of David, when the Philistines also came against him, what did David do? David again prayed the prayer of inquiry, and God now said to him. When you hear the sound Of the mulberry trees That's when you should overtake Now, the fact that David had the same incidents twice, what happened? It did not mean that he got into Presumption He didn't go the same way he had Gone before, he prayed again And God now said, at this time What you would require as a sign That I've gone before you, is the shaking Of the mulberry trees Even though you have prayed about something Once, if that incident come up Again, and you need to make a decision. Pray about it. It might be the same situation, but the strategy might change. We're going to find something now. Let's quickly look at because of our time. Let's quickly look at the life of Abraham. Genesis. Genesis. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's go to Genesis chapter twelve. So, in the first instance, God just told David pursue. The second instance told him, "Hey, hold on, wait for the mulberry trees." Wait for that movement. God also gave him strategy. So, Genesis chapter 12, verse 10. Uh, verse 10, to 12. We look at the life of Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, verse 9. So, Abraham journeyed, going on still toward the south. Now, there was a famine in the land. So, there was famine in the land. And Abraham went down to Egypt to dwell there. For the famine was severe in the land... You know, and it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt I said to Sarah, his wife, Indeed, I know you are a woman of beautiful countenance. And all the stories told him to say, your sister and all that and all that. Very fearful man. Uh, now, let's look at this now. When there was famine in the land, what was Abraham's decision? Come on now, from what we just read. What was Abraham's decision? He went out to Egypt. Did the Lord rebuke him? No. The Lord didn't tell him, tell him anything. Go to Genesis 26. Genesis 26 verse 1. Now there was famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. So, we recognize in Genesis chapter 12 that that was the famine Genesis 26 is referring to. Are we together? Are you still with me, please? Okay. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and says, what did the Lord tell Isaac? Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I'll tell you. Can we see the same circumstance? In Abraham and the the life of his child Isaac, can we see God instructing them differently? So when we say Isaac sold in that land and reaped a hundredfold, what was the basis of reaping a hundredfold? It was God's plan for his life to remain there. I believe that some of us just do what our parents are doing. Sometimes it happens to to pastors' children a lot. You know, because your father is a pastor. automatically I've seen pastors' children who, I mean, when they are preaching, you yourself will know that. Ah. Ah, no, no. <laughs> Try something else. But no, they have to be pastors. Some of us make our children with the one directing their paths. We haven't even inquired what the Lord want our children to be. We've already settled. You, you're a doctor, you nurse, engineer, a carpenter. You, you've settled what? <laughs> the trouble was say this thing. I'm telling you that you're going to become a mechanical. <laughs> we just map out where. You know, for some of us, there's no problem. Even if God takes vacation, life is settled. Have insurance there. Have assurance there. Have accolades here. Have this one here. You have everything. Don't be too wise in your own understanding. Lean on Him. There are places everyone we go, God will say don't. And you know what? His proof that I have told you don't, is that what everyone is going to look for, you'll discover that you're you're finding it right where you are. It's, It's hard. Remember what I said on Sunday, the council of the nations, right? The council of nations, the plans of the people. One of the most difficult things as a pastor is staying to your call. Because you have a lot of advice. You have a lot. It's a man of God. Man of God. For the ministry. (laughs) To go forward as if he's standing still. This is what and what you should do. You have to be strategic. And then you walk out of God's plan for your life. Totally. Totally. You can have outward success, but you're not in the plans of God for your life. You can be very happy, but you're not in the plan of God for your life. You know the funny thing about this message? It is only you that knows if you're doing what God has asked you to do. Nobody. Nobody. It's only you. I want you to be very reflective as we, as we wrap up this series. It's not a series that is technical. It's not. You don't need too much. It's just to say, hey, come on. Are you in sync with God? Are you where God wants you to be? It's difficult in these days because we judge everything by how much money is coming in. Right? We saw Philip preaching. Massive, massive revival in Samaria. The whole city comes to God. And God speaks to him and says, I want you to go to the desert and you and preach to one man. Nobody will te- teach you that as church growth strategy. Nobody. How do you live a city revival? Why can't you send your assistant pastor? Who is it? I'm not you to preach to one man. Takes him out of a citywide revival. You even have people who lead large churches. And the Lord speaks to them and says, I need you for another assignment. They say, no, 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 you have to send your sons. That's why one of the first lessons I learned very early in life is not to be attached to any place of assignments. You hear people even say, now that I'm about to reap the fruit of my labor. (laughs) What does that mean? The church is rich enough now to take care of me. That's when you people want to post me to one village. I'm not going. And then I just calls the printer. You have ink? Say yes. Say Prince, Church, International, of Africa, Continental. <laughs> and every say later, Church, I want to thank you. But the Lord told me many years ago that after serving, there shall be a time of separation. Now the time have come and separation, we are separated. I'm not saying you should come with me, but if the Lord is also putting in your heart that you be separated, shall we separate together unto the separation of the Lord? And sometimes that's why we have multiple visions all, of, all over the place. Are you obeying God? Can you confidently say, Yes, I'm obeying the Father? Pastor Mange was talking about, if you read, I think his book, Don't Quit the Army, or one of his messages, he talked about the man who was very successful in church planting. I know <laughs> A senior prophet said about this man that the day he ventured into churches that's when he walked out of the will of God for his life. I've had to sit with people who are called as evangelists and itinerary ministers and you see older ministers will sit them down and tell them you need to have a church as a base. And people who are called not to lead churches plant churches because the convenient human strategy is have a church that will support you. I'll say this: I'm using myself in ministry as an example because that's the field I'm confident in. I'll just ask you one question: You should think through. Why is it? Just think through it. And this is also a challenge to you, because sometimes people make these decisions because believers. Will not support the kingdom the way they should. I'll ask you a very simple question. Why is it that we have very successful evangelists. Who are foreigners. And we don't have that in Africa as it should be. So you look at Rehard Bonke for instance. The at all. Like Benny Hinn and all that. I know Benny Hinn had a church at that time. But the truth of the matter is that the context of success in ministry. Within the, within the African setup. Is by churches. And the Lord began to put this in my heart very strongly. One of the, one of the meetings that I do for young ministers, called Timothy Conference next year, we're going to just do it on itinerary ministry. Those who are called to just travel. Because there are people who are just called to do itinerary ministry. So you see all the Kenneth Copeland's, all the Andrew Womack and all of those people, even though they passed off for a while. And that's one thing I respect a lot in the life of Pastor Banky. He's the one person I have seen who consistently for a period of years have stayed with the concept of just running the ministry without the context of the local church. Because after a while, the pressure gets in. The advice comes in. The vision comes in. The prophetic word comes in. Before you know, you walk out of God's plan for your life. The difficult thing about this message Is having to obey God. Having to do what God has called you to do. Let's take for instance, Lord has called you to be a giver to the kingdom. And you're giving in, in, I mean, you're giving crazy amounts to the kingdom. You're going to have friends who say, listen, you can't keep doing this. You have to secure the future. You're going to have all this advice coming. I want to challenge you this morning. Get the first part of this message. Get the second part. Don't assume you've heard everything I said. Spend some time listening to it again and again. And the Lord is going to point out areas where you need to make adjustments. The safest place to be in this life is to be in God's will for your life. If God's will for your life is in Pakistan, you can live to become 250 years right in the midst of bombshells. Are you following what I'm saying? There's no safe place on this earth. Hear me clearly. There is no safe place on this earth. Including America, Canada, UK. There is no place on this earth that is as safe as the will of God. If you are in the will of God. He has wheels that can carry you. If you can't get boat booking. God wants you in Port Arco. He'll get a will for you. That's just to show us that the whole earth is in God's hands. And you know the funny thing about life? You can't even run away from the presence of God. At the end of the day, you still find yourself back here. Are you following what I'm saying? Thank you for listening to Present Truth broadcast with Pastor Maxwell O'Gaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormarks.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.